Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Before we begin, if you like what you hear on Mile High Report Radio Podcast, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. So, Ian, we're still not um, officially in the football season yet because it's the preseason and we've already done two of these things and we have three more to go. Do the math on it. I was told there would be no math. Yeah, that's true. There is no math. I'll, I'll do it for you. This year, the Broncos are playing as many uh, preseason games as more than a quarter of a regular season. So five-sixteenths, if you will. Um, so you're right. There, sh- there should be no math in this. But uh, that doesn't mean there aren't things to talk about. There's, there's a lot to talk about. They're going to be playing the Niners on uh, Monday Night Football. And they're going to be doing all kinds of stuff, and you, you've actually got some interesting points to make that I think are important to talk about with both the offense and the defense, and so let's let's just dive right in. Uh, let's go for it. They The 49ers will be coming in on Thursday for joint practices that will start on Friday, so they'll do Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then they'll play on Monday, and this feels like the longest preseason ever because it probably is. But extra what's game. What stood out to me when I went out to practice on Sunday and I made this my my key takeaway, my big takeaway from practice, 
is Joe Flacco is starting to get confident and comfortable. And I think it ties in to the drive that the number one offense put together against Seattle in, th- in last Thursday's preseason game. They've built on that. And they came out on Sunday and had one of the best offensive practices that they've had in training camp. And then they put it together on Monday again and had another strong offensive practice. And they did it again on Tuesday with another strong offensive practice. So the offense is starting to get comfortable and confident, not just Flacco. But Flacco is also starting to get some swag with the way that he's throwing the football, meaning he's getting way more comfortable with Rich Scangarello and his receivers, the running backs, the offense, the system. It's starting to click now. And I that's one of the benefits of playing so many preseason games and starting a week earlier than they would have because of the Hall of Fame game. And on Tuesday after practice, they're going to have Wednesday off. Emmanuel Sanders was asked about the connection that he has with Joe Flacco developing on the field. And Sanders said, it's coming. It's coming. On Monday, he threw some dimes. He threw some dimes. He's been throwing dimes. Today, he threw me a couple of dimes. And Drew Locke threw me a couple of dimes as well. So the chemistry is coming. Everything is looking good. It's all about just going out and just trying to master this offense. So when Monday night comes around, we're putting up points. And we're linking up on deep and trying to create explosive plays because that's what it's about. It's not about the dink and dunk. It's about those explosion chunk plays. That's what I know I have to bring to the table. And we're starting to see that with what they're doing on the practice field. Because one of the plays that Sanders is referencing as a dime was a 60-yard touchdown pass down the sideline from Flacco to Sanders. And Flacco also hit Cortland Sutton on Tuesday's practice with I think it was around a 40 or 45-yard touchdown pass. So the offense is starting to get confident, starting to get comfortable. It's starting to to come together for these guys. And if that is going to happen, the defense is going to be there. And we'll get into that with the story that I referenced in our last podcast that is going to run on Wednesday. But if the offense is is there and it's going to be as good as I think it can be, the defense will be there. The defense, I think, has the potential to be one of the best in the NFL because of the way Fangio has his system set up and the familiarity with his coaching staff. It's It's another reason for fans to get excited about the hiring of Vic Fangio, this coaching staff, and what the potential is for this team. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I think it's football is is such an interesting sport in the way that everything is about timing, um, especially on offense. And uh, it it appears that Rich Scangarello's offense is all about timing. And so the more practices and the more uh, opportunities that this offense gets, Joe Flacco with, you know, Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders and, and, and all of the other guys as well, that can only benefit 
the offense. And um, as I'm listening to you talk a little bit here, I keep thinking about something I saw on Twitter, and I don't remember who tweeted it, so I apologize um, for that. But uh, it was something that Vic Fangio said about uh, preseason games. And we've talked about preseason games and how they're unnecessary and and, um, they're meaningless games and you don't really need them. But he actually talked about how people who don't like preseason games or don't think you need preseason games don't want to evaluate players. People who want to evaluate players like having preseason games. And I think that's something where, you know, from a fan's perspective, which is which is something that uh, we definitely bring to the table, preseason games are they're boring. They're hard to get through. I mean, the, the, the Hall of Fame game was, uh, was not fun to watch. The, you know, the game against Seattle was – there were some moments in that, that first drive that you referenced, not great. But – the work, the the reps, the the ability for the coaching staff to do that evaluation is invaluable, and so there is an advantage that the Broncos are going to have, and the offense will have in gaining the timing that they're going to need to be successful. You, you talk about success. If this team is going to be successful in 2019, if they're going to actually be a, a playoff contending team, uh, perhaps a, a team that could win a game or two in the playoffs, they're going to have to. Uh, be offensively good not great not amazing i'm not talking about a a team that scores you know that has a quarterback that throws 55 touchdown passes you don't need that but you do need an offense that can hold the football that can control the clock and can like emmanuel sanders talked about make those big chunk plays when necessary if they can do that the defense i believe just like you believe can be very good and can sort of carry the team the rest of the way you just need an offense that's top half maybe even top two-thirds you you could even say that this offense needs to be top 18 in the nfl for the denver broncos to be good this year because that's how good i think this defense is going to be so joe flacco confident joe flacco with a little swag joe flacco feeling like he's comfortable in the offense that should make broncos fans that should make broncos country smile because it means that things could go very well throughout the season. I'm going to plop this out there and expect Ooh, it to perform. He got it. But there's potential for Joe Flacco to be elite. Ooh, yeah. I guess there's always potential for that. I'm not even I'm not even going to go go there. Is he elite? If he was elite. Lamar Jackson wouldn't have replaced him as the starter in Baltimore, but I digress on that. I, I do think he has the opportunity to be very good. When I say elite, it's not that he's elite now, but he was elite the last time he was in a system like this. It was his best offensive season, his best season in the NFL, short of winning the Super Bowl in 2012. But even that season wasn't his best statistical year. It was that 2014 season when Gary Kubiak was his offensive coordinator. And I think there's that potential for Joe Flacco in this offense. And he's starting to get it. He's starting to to see what Rich Scangarello wants to do. And as you said, the timing is starting to, to click now with Emmanuel Sanders, with Cortland Sutton, with Tim Patrick, with some of those other receivers. So I think if he can start to get it with Noah Fant, if he can start to get it with 
George Aston now that it's likely that he could be the fullback. But an interesting development is Troy Fumagalli was getting reps on Tuesday as a fullback, which will be very interesting. So I, I just, I think that you can get excited about the potential for this offense. And the thing that I'm still wanting to see is the offensive line. And Dalton Reisner was really good again on Thursday against the Seahawks. I think Connor McGovern is going to surprise people. I'm, I don't know if he's going to be on the same level as Matt Paradis, but I don't think there will be a significant drop-off. If Ronald Leary and Juwan James can stay healthy, the right side of the offensive line is locked down. There's still that question at left tackle. And regardless of what all of his teammates say, until we actually see it through a full game, I'm going to be skeptical of it. But in terms of back to Emmanuel Sanders, because he had another, another great quote on Tuesday on how the offense is designed to stress defenses and make them play the whole field. Oh, yeah. In the spring, they were running the plays, but I wasn't too involved. But once you place yourself in the system, you start to see how the system can break down defenses. This offense can definitely break down defenses. I think Deshaun Hamilton, Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick. I think we all work to we all work together. We can really make this offense go. I'm talking about explosion plays. I'm talking making guys look bad in terms of choice routes. All types of different ways to break down the defenses. If how they want to play us, I'm excited about it. I'm excited about keep working and, and getting better, growing chemistry with Joe, and see where the chips line up on Monday night. Hey, I mean, it just to tie it all back together, you can tell that these guys are starting to get comfortable and confident with each other and the system. Yeah, it's it's the key, I think. The key, obviously, I know it's cliche, but comfortable, confident, that's going to carry over. That's going to create wins. That's going to that's going to drive this football team. And again, to to go back to the point that that I was making before, the defense is going to be good. And and before we started recording, I brought this up and uh, this isn't a fantasy football podcast, but I always sort of interject a little bit of fantasy football into it. One of the things that I, I keep seeing as I'm preparing for my fantasy football drafts um, is, is when it comes time to start taking a defense, the, the Broncos defense is going off the board very late. I think people in general are very low on the Broncos, uh, and, and they kind of are my target as a defense because I, I think that Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel are bringing a defense to Denver that is going to be very, very good. And there is a lot of talent on the defensive side of the football for Denver. So for me, it's kind of nice. I like, I'm going to take Denver super late. I can take them in the last round of the of the draft, and I know they're going to be there, and, and that's fine. I, I just find it fascinating that so many people, uh, including, you know, experts, you know, you watch the NFL Network, you watch, you know, the national media, that – they're they're low on on Denver's defense, and I'm not quite sure why, because it's not like the talent isn't there, and you would think that there would be some confidence in Vic Fangio as as a defensive coach and Ed Donatel as his defensive coordinator because of some of the things you talked about with familiarity between the coaches and um, just the fact that they're bringing a defensive scheme that was very successful in Chicago with similar players. Some are the same players. 
you know, to me, it's it's interesting to just see how much people are, for lack of a better term, sleeping on the Denver Broncos defense. And so if the offense is mediocre or just good, and that defense is what I believe it's going to be, that's a playoff team right there. That's a team that could win 10 to 10 to 12 games and and make a, a deep playoff run. I'm not predicting that right now, but I could see that happening if certain chips fall where they're where they need to fall. The story that I have dropping on Wednesday, the the headline is will familiarity breed success for the Broncos defense. And what I wanted to do was ask the people involved how important it is to have a coaching staff that is familiar with each other, who knows each other. So Ed Donatel and Vic Fangio have worked together for eight years. Outside linebackers coach Brandon Staley has worked with Vic Fangio for the last two years in Chicago. Reggie Herring worked with Vic Fangio in Houston in the early 2000s. There's only two coaches that do not have a familiarity with either Vic Fangio or the Denver Broncos, and that's the two defensive quality assistants in Mike Highstand and Nathaniel Willingham. Every other member of the of Fangio's staff either has familiarity with him or the organization. So as I mentioned, Ed Donatel, Brandon Staley, Reggie Herring, in terms of the organization, Defensive line coach Bill Kolar, defensive assistant Chris Beak, and defensive backs coach Ronaldo Hill all have connections to the Broncos. For Donatel and Herring, they have both. So one thing that stood out over the course of talking to Vic Fangio about this, asking him, interviewing Ed Donatel about it, asking Derek Wolf about it, asking Steve Atwater about it, is it is very important. And this is one of the quotes that really stood out to me from Donatel. There's so much nonverbal communication. Everything is direct. We know what path to take when we get together and we can get it out to the other coaches and players quickly. Three guys can get the message out a lot quicker than one. And then the other thing that comes from all of that, once you start to get that familiarity, you know what the expectation is, you know what the system is, you know that if you don't do your job, you're going to let the rest of your coaches down and you're going to let the players down. Trust comes from it. And this is, I think, the, the most powerful quote from Ed Donatel in my interview with him. There's no question. I trust those guys. They're partners. I trust them. I know we can do great work together, but it's the law of the NFL. You have to go out and prove it every year that you can coach. And that's what we're intending to do. Every time we look at a group, we look at them and we say, how far can we take this group? It's a challenge. No group is the same. The most important thing to us, and we started it last week, is we want to tackle well. We want to be a team that when you look at us, you say they tackle well. So that's the number one goal for this defense. I like that. I like tackling. I think tackling is important in the NFL. So that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I think that you, you know, you kind of have this great premise for your story. And then to, to hear the quotes from Donatel, 
it sort of reminds me of, of pretty much any scenario, any work scenario, any you know, any any job, any any other sport. Familiarity is actually something that's very important. Think about some of the best teams in the history of, of sports. There's a, a, an amount of familiarity that teams have with one another that allows them to be successful because they just know what the other guy is going to do, what the other guy is thinking. Uh, I think we you see it a lot. Think about those 90s Bulls and how good they were with Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and the familiarity that they had. Uh, you know, th- To me, maybe basketball is probably the easiest uh, comparison to make when it comes to familiarity because guys do these no-look passes and things like that that come from knowing – Hey, he's going to be there when when I'm on this side of the court. He's going to be on the other side. You know what I'm saying? There's that sort of aspect to it. And when it comes to coaching, coaches who know each other, coaches who've worked together, they know what everybody wants and what the expectations are. And and I think that's the other aspect of it. It's about expectations. I know what is expected of me from the people who I work with because I've worked with them for so long. So they know what I'm going to give to them because I've been giving it to them for so long because we've been working together. And then when you have that sort of change, when guys go their separate ways, you can see where success sort of falters a little bit. But these guys have been together, like you said, for long enough that I think it ends up being a huge point and it's going to be extremely important. The other familiarity aspect to it that you maybe didn't mention uh, is Bryce Callahan, who uh, is is coming over from the Bears as well and has been in the defensive system and can sort of guide other players. I'm not saying he has to mentor anybody because we're not going to get into that discussion, but just the idea of being able to say, yeah, this is, this is how we do this and I, I know it because I've done it before. I've been doing it for the last few years. So the idea of familiarity – and then take that back to what we were talking about with Joe Flacco and that confidence and that and that you know being comfortable in a system. They're becoming familiar with each other. It really does play into the success of a football team. It's funny that you mentioned the everyday environment for like for our listeners because that's exactly what Steve Atwater told me. He said, "I think that's extremely important, really, in any environment." Even when you do your job, you want a bunch of people who you know can work well together and have a history of doing that. So it's absolutely right. And then the other thing that comes from all of this is it all ties back to that simplicity of Vic Fangio's whole idea of death by inches. And that's if the players take care of the little things then the big things will take care of themselves. And as fan, as Donatel told me, I think that's it. He's got it really, he's got it really broken down to simple. Be in position, know your assignment, be good at your technique, and finish as a team. And then Derek Wolf said this: he doesn't let the little things slide. No fighting, stuff like that. He doesn't want us fighting each other. He doesn't want us jumping off sides, and he doesn't want us holding. He's always bringing that to attention in team meetings. What's a penalty? What's not a penalty? What he thinks was a bad call, what he thinks was a good call, and those kind of things. The last couple of years, we've been getting beat on penalties, a lot of penalties on all sides of the ball in all phases of the game. It's really important we play really tight, clean football because that's how you beat yourself. That's the first step. I think we're going to be the best conditioned team for sure, We've got a week. We got a week early start. A week earlier than anybody else. We've been in full pads every single day. 
We're just as a team trying to embrace the grind and knowing in the long run when that week 16 comes in the fourth quarter, we're going to make that play and outlast your opponent. It's, I mean, the whole point of this was to show that when you have that familiarity and you have that trust, it's, it, it simplifies it so much for the players that when you hear someone like Bradley Chubb, who was on Orange and Blue 760 in mid-May, saying that it's already becoming second nature for him and the rest of the defense, that's why. Because you're getting a direct message from every single coach. You're not being told something completely different. You're not getting infighting. You're getting you're getting a, a, a simplistic message that from the top down where there's buy-in and everyone knows that if we do our job, the, the unit will be successful, the defense will be successful, and the team is going to be in better position to be successful. Perfect stuff, right? I, I, I love that. And I, I love that you're able to even reference all the way back into May and stuff that Bradley Chubb was saying in May, and it's obviously carrying over to what's going on today in training camp and, and as they build up to the regular season. As they build up to the regular season with the 49ers coming into town, I, you know, I, let me ask you a question. I, I'm, I think it's kind of funny. I like joint practices. How do, how do you feel about joint practices? For a coach like Vic Fangio, I think they're perfect. And especially with a situation like the 49ers, where they're basically going to be running a similar system to what the Broncos do. Right. It's going to it's going to help the Broncos offense too to see this offense the way that it should be run. But I think it's going to be very beneficial to the players and to the coaches just to get a different team in there for the cornerbacks to go against different receivers, for the receivers to go against different cornerbacks, for the lines to go against different different yeah, guys different, in the trenches. Guys. Yeah, it, it's a it's a tension thing to me, right? I think that um, we already saw this with Emmanuel Sanders and Cortland Sutton getting into it uh, and and having their their sort of their their fisticuffs, if you will. Um, you get sort of there's you get sort of tense and and there's a little bit of angst and everybody's kind of you're looking to hit somebody, but the only person you can hit is the guy that's on your team, and you want to be able to take out some of that aggression and bringing in another team. I, I love the idea of doing it, and I think it's it's just sort of one of those things that this is perfect timing for the Broncos because they'll be able to kind of get into it with, with other players that are going to leave. You know what I'm saying? Like you can get into a fight with, I, I don't know, Matt Breda or, or, or George Kittle because he's going to be gone, you know, in, in a few days anyway, it won't matter. Whereas, you know, Cortland Sutton and Emmanuel Sanders, they're lining up together. Or if, you know, Chris Harris gets into it with somebody they're they're, they're on the same team. You got to see each other. So this helps get a little bit of aggression out, but, it's it's also just kind of fun to finally see uh, a little bit more of them going against somebody else, which does take us up to the Monday night football preseason game against the 49ers. The thing I'm most looking forward to aside from the game over those three joint practices is whether Joe Flacco and the offense can continue this string of great practices. If they can continue to build on one practice on top of another. Because if they're able to do that against a, a new defense that they're going against, with I think 
I don't think anyone would deny that the 49ers have a very good defensive line. So if the, it's going to be a challenge for the Broncos offensive line. If they're able to get the kind of consistency that they've had over the last week or so, that's a very good sign, not only for the Monday night game, but heading into the regular season, because that means that it's, it really is starting to click and it's starting to register for Flacco and the rest of the guys on offense. So that's one of the things that people should be looking for when you're either listening or reading or watching stuff about these joint practices is how the offense is able to perform against the 49ers defense. So is it fair to say, and, and I'm just, I'm just going to you know, go out on a limb here. I feel like we have a little familiarity. That's what makes what we do pretty good. You, you would say if we were going to talk about previewing the game, one of the areas to watch in the game is the offensive line because of how good San Francisco's defensive line is. And just because that's sort of been a sticking point for the Denver Broncos over the course of the last, I don't want to say how many seasons without question. And to see how many, how, how long Flacco and the number one offense plays, whether they play, I would, I would think that they would play most of the first quarter. Cause that's typically what happens in the second preseason game. And this is the second preseason game, even though it's the third We've been over this before. Hall of Fame game was a scrimmage. We'll just just ignore it. So keep an eye on on how long the number one offense plays. It, I'm guessing if they put a couple of great drives together, Fangio will pull them. But yes, absolutely keep an eye on the offensive line, and in particular, keep an eye on the left tackle because good or bad, that's going to be one of the most crucial factors to the success of this offense. Yeah, Garrett Bowles is um, he's he's scary, right? I think that that's the biggest question mark, and it's funny to say that knowing that this is his third year. You've got a rookie uh, who is starting next to him, and you've got a guy in Connor McGovern who hasn't been the starting center, who is going to be the starting center. Not that he's unexperienced or inexperienced, excuse me, but still the big question mark is the third year left tackle. Can he? become what he was drafted to become which is a solid starting left tackle and um I, i'm not sure that he can i i know that we like we've had mace on and mace has said you know mike munchak is a great teacher and and he'll make it work and i know that that's sort of the idea here but i have a lot of questions about that so that is the that is the one player that i will focus on it's nice that they're playing on monday night it makes it easier for me to watch those thursday night games are tough that's when we play softball so it just doesn't work for me. I'm going to watch it replay and it's super late at night. It makes me very tired. Um, but then on, on uh, you know, the, the rest of the offense, the, the one guy who I really am kind of looking for in the, the for the starters is I, I want to see Royce Freeman again. He had that that great run against the, the Seahawks, the 50 yarder that took him down into to I guess it was down to the red zone. Can he, you know, sort of be the complement? to Philip Lindsay, that sort of two-headed back that I think people were expecting last season, can he become a little bit better knowing that, you know, he was a little dinged up last year. It was his rookie year, and, he, he's, you know, he went through some some injury stuff. Can he stay healthy, and can he be sort of the, the big pounding back while Philip Lindsay is the, the quick guy? And the loss of Theo Riddick really means that those two guys have to pick up the, you know, pick up the pace a little bit. They got to carry the load, if you will. And for those who don't know, Theo Riddick injured his shoulder in the preseason game against the Seahawks, and he's going to be out six to eight weeks. He's so still going to make a million dollars. He is. 
they're they're not gonna there's no way they're gonna cut him so he's gonna come back it's just it's a tough blow because I wanted to see Theo Riddick paired with Philip Lindsay and hopefully we're able to see that in the regular season once Riddick is able to come back because I really want to see Lindsay and Riddick in the same backfield and have Riddick go in motion and get into the slot as we talked about on the last podcast Riddick was a slot receiver at Notre Dame yes, so he was. It, it, he's going to be an, an 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 interesting weapon when he comes back healthy the other the player that I'm looking for and I will continue to watch as Dalton Reisner. I mean, I think he's going to be the guy who is able to to give Garrett Bowles confidence. And he's going to be there to, what's the word, a safety net, so to speak. Yeah, I like that. Okay, yeah. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. And then I'm, I'm looking for... What do they do at kickoff and punt returner? And here's an interesting thing. I, th- I, I think it was Shasta in the comments on my winners and losers. I'm not sure if it was that one or it was on another thread. But he brought up a great point about how special teams usually do struggle this time of year because the guys who are playing it aren't going to be playing in the league anyway. So the guys who will eventually play special teams in the regular season aren't doing it right now. So it, it, it's kind, it's point. not a surprise, and it shouldn't be a surprise that the special teams are struggling. I thought that was a great point. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so you're yeah, and and we were also told, you know, that it would take a few weeks into the regular season before the you know the kick returner punt returner was even solidified, and and before that was really um, set in stone or, or things were figured out. So patience, right? We're, we're preaching patience because. That's an area that's going to take a while to get worked out. That's going to take a, a few games to really be the you know that sort of solidified special teams um, phase of the game. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, on defense, guy I'm watching is Draymond Jones. I want to see if he can continue to uh, impress, right? Because he seems to be one of those names that pops. We talk about names that pop, and he's a third round draft pick, so maybe he should be popping, but. He had a he had a pretty good game against Seattle. He had some some highlight reel plays. I would like to see him uh, maybe get some work with maybe even work in with the ones the twos. See if he can can continue the trend of of you know making big plays. And I think Bradley Chubb today and I, I might be wrong if it was today or yesterday uh, in the quotes talked about uh, how people need to pay, pay attention to Draymond Jones because he is um, he's very good. I'm paraphrasing, it, obviously. And I'm actually looking for that quote right now. It was on Tuesday. And he was asked on what he's seen from Draymond Jones. I was talking to Draymond the other day. I feel like he is beyond his years. He is a rookie right now that we got in the third round. Like I said last time, I feel like we got a steal with him. He brings power. He brings speed. His hands are amazing. I feel like a rook for a rookie, he is definitely in a league of his own, and I'm excited to see what he continues to do. 
one thing that we've talked about repeatedly on this podcast is if you're able to get that internal pass rush that the Broncos haven't had since Malik Jackson left for Jacksonville, if you get that and it's consistent, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb are unblockable because if you're gonna if you're gonna have one on one with Miller or Chubb, night night, it's over. Yeah. I, I agree, I, and that that to me is one of those things where th- that's why Draymond Jones is important. That's why the interior pass rush is important. That's why you wanna you wanna see what what the Broncos can do in the trenches on the defensive side of the football because if they can get that that pass rush up the middle, you know Von Miller is gonna come home. You know you know he's gonna get home. You know he's gonna get to the quarterback. You know Bradley Chubb is gonna get home. You know he's gonna get to the quarterback. You know they're gonna disrupt from the outside. Imagine having that disruption from the outside and the push up the middle. I, I would imagine that's almost unbeatable. Well, just look at the AFC Championship game. Despite the late surge by Tom Brady and the Patriots offense, I mean, that that's what you're going to get. You're, you're talking about the AFC Championship game in 2015. Correct. When the, when the Broncos played the Patriots and then went on to win the Super Bowl um, in, in Peyton Manning's last last ride off into the sunset kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. The players that I'm looking for on defense, Sewick Ravens, who was my player to watch coming into training camp, and he has lived up to the billing. Mm -hmm. And I think he's going to find a spot on this roster as a safety, which is huge for this team if he's able to to finally put it all together. And I think the system is going to be very beneficial to him. And then – the continued play of Devontae Bosby and Isaac Yadam, who I think are the three and four cornerbacks for this team right now and add the depth that a lot of people weren't sure was there at defensive back after Chris Harris and Bryce Callahan, and especially since Kareem Jackson has been at safety the entire training camp. Yeah, you know, that that actually is one that the question mark at defensive back was so big. I remember during the draft, there were people who were disappointed that Denver didn't draft a cornerback, that Denver didn't go out and get a defensive back uh, that was going to you know, be an impact player. Um, and then you know, signing Kareem Jackson, signing Bryce Callahan, those were big deals, but it still didn't, it didn't seem to really answer the questions for some people. I think what you're starting to see is those questions being answered, at least for the time being. And, and I, I love the sort of the story of Bosby because, you know, like Mace was talking about when he was on, he was able to showcase his skills somewhere else. And then that's translated into him getting an opportunity at the NFL. And it wasn't in college, right? He had to go through sort of this, you can't even call it a feeder league because it didn't feed, you know, every, everything died really. But that's, that sort of shows that the NFL needs some, some type of feeder league that will help, build players up so that they can find their way onto a, an NFL roster. But then it just makes him a good story. And and we like good stories. We like to be able to talk about a guy who paid his dues, put in his time, uh, got the opportunity and made the most of it. To bring it back full circle. It's another guy with familiarity to Vic Fangio and his, and his defense. So it, I mean, it, it's an exciting time for Broncos fans. The other exciting piece that I want to see in this defense is Justin Hollins. 
I think they might have found a guy who can finally cover tight ends because he's been doing that as a middle linebacker, and he's like six five as an edge guy. Do do we even talk about covering? Like, can we talk about it? Coverage. (laughs) I get nervous talking about it because are we really allowed to talk about it being a possibility? Yes, because Justin Hollins is that good. He's that freakishly athletic and good. I like that. That's great. I mean, it, it was Good. remarkable on Sunday. I mean, he was he was covering Noah Fant, and I was standing with Steve Atwater, and we both looked at each other. And I was like, "Was that Justin Hollins?" <laughs> you just you. The only reason you told that story is so that you could say that you were standing next to Steve Atwater, and I I can appreciate that. <laughs> Funny story that I tweeted out. It was in between drills, so I think it was a special teams drill. And I watched most of the practice with Steve Atwater, which was amazing in itself. But he, we, he sees a, a cart coming toward us, and he, he says, oh, man, who's on the cart now? And we look, and it's Vaughn Miller driving Bill Kolar's golf cart, and Bradley Chubb was riding shotgun. Having fun. I like that they're having fun. That's the other, the other part of it that I think uh, at least breeds excitement, right? Who knows if the Broncos are going to be any good? If, at the end of the day, we can talk uh, till we're blue in the face or orange and blue in the face, if you will, about what we think. But we really don't know until the games are played. But when you see teams having a good time, when you see them having fun, then that can that can help build that confidence as well. You know they're comfortable, they're confident, they're feeling good about things. Teams that aren't having any fun, teams that aren't playing around and having a good time they're not comfortable. They're not confident. So there is something to be said about guys like Von Miller and Bradley Chubb and, and some of the other players having a good time driving around in Bill Kolar's, you know, golf cart, if you will. I mean, it's, those are things that make me smile because it means that they're confident. They're comfortable. That will translate onto the field. There's another moment that happened before practice and if you were out at practice every day before it starts, either Von Miller or Bradley Chubb would do a skull clap to get the fans on the bump revved up and ready to go. Well, who took part in that on Tuesday? The final practice opened to the, opened to the fans. Vic Fangio. He wasn't invited. He just did it on his own. Just walked up and did it with them. How cool is that? It's, it's very cool. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos.